Welcome in, Whisper Nation, and welcome back to Matchup Breakdown Part 2 for Week 8. We're letting you know all those second-half games as part as far, well as the Sunday night and Monday night game. Who you need to start, sit. We'll talk about all of that and more on this episode of the Fantasy Whispers. Let's hit it. Right here. That's right, Whisper Nation. Like Johnny said, we're going to be talking the second half of the NFL slate of matchups and all the fantasy football implications of Sunday and Monday's game. But if you like fresh fantasy football content and you want more of it, consider subscribing to the YouTube channel and our other videos, giving those and this a like on your way in. Welcome all the way in, Big uh, Whisper Nation. <laughs> My name is Big Travi. You can find me on Twitter at Big Travi TFW. And I am joined on the other mic on one of the other mics by Johnny Game Time Hicks. You can find on Twitter at Johnny underscore Game Time. Johnny, how you doing, brother? I am doing well and fantastic. Week eight is upon us, and I still love football and fantasy football. So I, that is a, good a thing. feat. That is a feat in this game of fantasy football to actually still love football and be excited. Well, right on. On the other mic, we have Austin Sear. You can find him on Twitter at Austin underscore R underscore Sear. Austin, are you as excited and and uh, jacked about football as John? Honestly, is? yes, dude. And it's a freaking yeah. liberation to say yes because, you know, I love being in first place in terms of overall points in our Dynasty League and tied for first place in record there with Johnny after this after this matchup this weekend. Love that. But you know what? In our League of Record, one in six. One in six with so many top 10 players on my team. It's crazy. Every I got a top 10 at every position. It doesn't matter. I'm one in six. And it's really tough. I'm not going to lie to Whisper Nation to go home and spend five hours procuring notes and diving through something that brings you so much pain. But you know what, man? I legitimately love it. I legitimately love it. And getting to take all that put it into new fresh takes look at what the narratives are Are they holding true is it time to reassess and coming back with two of my best friends here and getting to chop it up here as we break into uh week eight or it reminds me of texas hold'em as fantasy football often does actually it reminds me of texas hold'em quite a bit but you know you'll get those bad beats you'll get sucked out on the river and yet you'll still come back and play that game it's even so nasty that it happens it you know it gets you every time but we still come back we still play the game because we're sick, sick individuals, and this is providing us a little bit of fun, and I appreciate both of you for your input on that. I'd appreciate if both of you could answer this question for me, too, as we normally try to start the show off with. I was curious to know, we have fantasy football number ones, leaders at their position of each of the following positions that we're rostering most in redraft leagues. Quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, kicker, and defense. And I'm going to ask you guys, of all these leaders, which one we think has you scratching your head the most? Good question. At quarterback, we have Tom Brady. At running back, we have Derrick Henry. At wide receiver, Cooper Cup. Tight end, Travis Kelsey. Kicker, Nick Folk. Everybody called that one. Mm-hmm. And at defense... The Arizona Cardinals, Johnny's Arizona Cardinals. Johnny, I'll ask you first who you think will be who's got you scratching your head the most here. I I honestly would have to be I would have to say Arizona Cardinals defense. Uh, to be honest with you, when we lost Malcolm Butler in the beginning of the season, you know, like literally days before the start of the season, Patrick Peterson I was, off season. Yeah, he was you toast know. anyway. But um, I I was very concerned with how this secondary would hold up. And they have been outstanding. Now we did lose JJ Watt this week. We heard that. So we'll see how this, if this can continue, Uh, but certainly the way they're playing 
And it doesn't seem, you know, they've they've had a couple injuries at corners too on a couple of games, and it still hasn't affected them. So I, I would definitely have to say I'm the most shocked on my Arizona Cardinals defense uh, so far this season. I agree that they are a shocking uh, addition to this top of the heap here, but they've been very opportunistic. We'll see if that sticks up, and they they just had a really good offense to lean on as well. That kind of helps the defense out a lot of times. Austin, what about you? What say you as far as the the head scratcher in these top elites right now? You know what? The Cardinals one is a good call, but I like your assessment there, Travi, of we'll see if this one sticks. Uh, Tom Brady to me is a great story. I'm not surprised, though, as he won the Super Bowl on a torn MCL. I'm not surprised at all about Derrick Henry. He was my number one, one selection coming in this year. Travis Kelce was my number one tight end selection this year. Nick Folk, everybody had him as their number one kicker. Now, I think Nick Folk does bear a bit of surprise there, but it's a kicker. And I think we're expecting to be surprised and nobody's trying to guess who the top number one kicker is. It's kind of grab a tear and enjoy it and make sure you're paying attention to the matchups this week and there's no rain or snow on the field. Uh, but for me, it's the same one as it was his last uh, our last episode that you brought up to me between, uh, you know, Kyle Pitts, um, um, Jamar Chase and Cooper Cup, which one was I most surprised about? It's Cooper Cup for me. And I love Johnny's point that he brought in of, you know, we've seen Cooper Cup do this in the past. You know, he's been a top 10 option, top five option for sure. But then he didn't. You know what I mean? And then he comes back this hard with a brand new quarterback. Like I hear the lines of being about the system, but it's been the same system, too. And he hasn't done. He's been so far out. And then he's so far back. And you know, I, there's only been out when he got injured. Even still, but he's he's not. In, what round did you say people should take Cooper Cup in pre-draft, Johnny? Uh, the round you were getting, I we were talking about how Cooper Cup was the guy you wanted to target over Bobby Trees. Uh, sure, we sure, loved sure, him. Sure. We loved. We were him taking Cooper Cup in the first three rounds. Nobody but, was suggesting taking no, Cooper Cup I in mean, the first three rounds. And he's the why would you do that when you can get him in the fourth? Well, round? at this point, I, you have you haven't been surprised by Cooper yeah, Cup's number one overall production, right? But you don't take just, him in the four, first round, first three rounds. If you can get him in the fourth or fifth, that's. I mean, we're not taking number one wide receivers the next year in the first round. That's the that's the point I think that Austin's getting at here is that Cooper Cup's going to really boost his ADP next. Next year, if he continues this trend, he's the number one fantasy asset in all of fantasy football right now to date. I think it is Tom Brady for me, guys. I think the, the the issue isn't the stacked lineup that he has. He had it last year and he had a B for eight games last year and he was still only around a QB eight or nine last year. And we had Gronk. He had everybody in he needed to have that he's kind of had this year and he's actually had less weapons this year. I just didn't take into account how much, and Johnny, kudos to you in the offseason for pointing this out, but I didn't take into account how much he would be chasing records, chasing things in the season that would allow them to be even. You remember in 2017 how much the Patriots ran up the score with Brady and Belichick? They continued to pound teams even when they're in the submission. This I'm getting that feel from this Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense. They continue to run up the score no matter what the score is. I mean, I look at the Bears last week, and they continued to throw at the goal line even though they were <laughs> dominating them. I mean, this is just the type of team there is. But he doesn't have the rushing floor that a guy like Jalen Hurts, even Pat Mahomes, um, you know, some of these other guys, Lamar and, and, and Kyler Murray have, and that's what boosts them so far up into our rankings. Mm-hmm. But Brady's just doing it the old-fashioned way, and I think that's a bit of a surprise to me. All right. No surprise. He had the gonna... lowest rushing floor of any quarterback in the NFL. Oh, yeah. I mean, he looks yeah. like a baby deer when he runs out there. It's absolutely god-awful, but still gets it done. We're going to still get it done here and move on to the next matchup, the first of our part two matchups here. The Los Angeles Chargers are hosting the New England Patriots in Los Angeles at beautiful SoFi Stadium. It's a 49-point over-under with the Chargers favored by five and a half on the day. Johnny, Damian Harris, 
I mean, even Brandon Bolden looked good as a waiver wire pickup, but these running backs seem to still be the focal point of the offense. They're in a good spot because the Chargers run defense really got awful here. Yeah, they're not looking that that pretty right now for uh, what what's going on uh, for the Chargers here. They are allowing the third most fantasy points right now to running backs this season. I was a little I won't I won't lie to you guys. I was a little worried about playing Harris this week because I just there there just seemed something a little off. You know, like when you you know lick your finger, you're on the uh, on the golf tee, you know, golf box. You lick your finger and you're just like they're just I can't hit it right this second. Something just seems a little off. Well, it's not going to be this weekend because the Chargers are just. Basically, that's how you attack the Charger is by running on them. Damian Harris has been an absolute monster over the last three games. 14-plus touches, over 100 rushing yards in back-to-back games. He's had three straight games with at least one rushing touchdown. Uh, he's at five or five or six, I believe, on the, on the season. I have to vet that to be exact. But uh, that is a smash start. You're definitely getting Damian Harris in your lineup. Uh, when it comes to Brandon Bolton, J.J. Taylor, you could throw him out there because People might have a question because he did score last week, but it was just kind of a situational. They were, they were, yeah, who did <laughs> right. exactly. Uh, and, and same with Brandon Bolden. He's only seen more than four targets twice. He has taken that James white role, but as far as Carolina allowing just uh, the third or uh, sorry, um, the chargers are allowing the third fewest receiving yards to the running back position. And, the Chargers or, or Carolina, excuse me, is the only team that is allowing fewer fantasy points to receiving uh, running backs. So I am not throwing him in there. I'm not getting him back in there uh, because don't chase points. You'll lose out. Uh, the only person I'm running or I'm sorry at running back here is Damian. It's always a slippery slope, assuming rational coaching. But I believe if the three of us see that Damian Harris is running well and that's the way to attack the Chargers, then I believe Bill Belichick will see that as well. But who knows? I do think that the way to not attack the Chargers is through the air. And so that means, Austin, these wide receivers probably get a downgrade this week. They get a downgrade this week. And honestly, Travis, I'm giving a downgrade because they are on this team. Uh, Real talk, though, through two seasons now, we really don't have a reliable above ground ceiling pass option in New England testament to the balanced nature of a Belichick offense or whatever we want to call it but none of these pass catchers has elite talent or enough talent to even cause separation amongst themselves Jacoby Myers is definitely the guy but zero touchdowns and averaging just 55 yards per game Kendrick Bourne is the best ranked fantasy wide receiver of the bunch here at number 38 in PPR and he averages less yards per game than Jacoby Myers does 50 yards per game for Kendrick Bourne. He's just got a whopping two touchdowns, though, on the season. So that's where the rankings bump for Bourne comes in. This week, will one go off? Travis, you said it. It's not a great situation here in the Chargers pass defense. I'm not shocked if someone, though, gets 75 yards and a touchdown from one of these New England wide receivers. But it will not be me on any of my fantasy teams because I will not be starting any New England pass catchers uh, this week. And I'm going to be steering away from them, uh, God willing, for the rest of the season. Yeah, the non the non wide receivers are actually where I'm looking and really only Hunter Henry right now. Hunter Henry has TDs in four straight games. He's the tight end eight and standard tight end 10 and PPR. He's coming into last week, uh, coming into last week. I was hesitant to buy into the hype because the usage wasn't really matching the production. But now we've got Jonah Smith suffered a shoulder injury, therefore was is in doubt for week eight. Continue to monitor his status. But when he exited the game, Henry saw his target snap jump to 79 percent. That was his highest since week two. 
Um, we're going to continue to monitor Jonu, but it seems like Henry's emerging as this touchdown upside Gronk-esque play in this not very Gronk-like offense. But because the Chargers are so stout on the outside against wide receivers, they've been ran on, as Johnny said, at a high rate. And the tight end has scored a grip of fantasy points against them as well. They are now tied with Baltimore as the number one defense to target for your fantasy tight end. In six games, they've given up five touchdowns. I think you got to get Henry in your lineup this week as a, as a valuable streamer, back end, tight end one. All right, on the Chargers side of the ball, um, on the Chargers side of the offense, we know it runs through Justin Herbert and this el- not elite, but very top end second year QB. He was kind of blanked uh, or erased in his week before the bye. Austin, I want to know if he's trustworthy after laying that egg before the bye in your lineup this week. I, you know what? This is a somewhat diplomatic answer, but I think he is as trustworthy as he was before that game. That game did not really throw me off track in my evaluation of Justin Herbert didn't put me on tilt in any way. Uh, he's going up against new England this week and new England hosts a defense that isn't really exceptional nor disastrous in any regard. Um, this is essentially for me, Justin Herbert versus Justin Herbert. And I think Justin Herbert is about as good or as trustworthy as any second quarterback, second year quarterback that we've, we've seen. Uh, He's going to have ups and downs, but this offense has good weapons and the defense isn't incredible again. So I expect Herbert to be needed and he's going to have to throw the ball, which is good for the Chargers and it also good for your fantasy team. I think it's gonna be a solid Justin Herbert kind of day, barring something weird. I'm going conservative here with this estimation, two to 300 yards, two to three passing touchdowns. Yeah, when we look at his pass catching weapons, it's a little bit of an up and down show in six games that Mike Williams has played. uh, He posted the wide receiver nine overall numbers and he's had his bye last week. So in his first three games, he averaged 25 PPR PPR points in his last three. After that nagging knee injury kind of popped him up on the injury report, he's got 14 PPR games, so nearly 11 points less. But he still commands 23% of the market share. The bye week's over. He's got full practice that he's logging in. I'm looking forward to him continuing his his great play here. I also want to talk about Keenan Allen because his five targets in week six in that game that Herbert struggled, as Austin pointed out, uh, that was his, uh, his first game on the year under eight targets. So we like that. He commands 24%, so more target market share by 1% than Mike Williams. And I think he's going to – I'm going to be looking for him to continue to close the gap between BMW. Right now he's the wide receiver 30 in PPR, wide receiver nine, as we mentioned, for Mike Williams. I think that will get a little bit closer together as we see more Keenan Allen games down the stretch because he's going to continue to see volume, especially in PPR. But we're not afraid of this, Pat. Secondary, this team has been a pass-happy team all year, have the Chargers. Both wide receivers are must-starts. The Pats have given up the fifth-most touchdowns to the wide receiver position, the 11th-most receptions on the year. Johnny, I mean, briefly, just got to say that Eckler's just been an absolute stud, especially in PPR formats. Yeah, I, I just want to touch on it. 68% opportunity chair, seventh right now in touchdowns for running backs of the season. Remember, he didn't have – he only had three last season – partially because he was injured, but also they weren't giving him a whole lot of goal line air, uh, goal line carries. And you've definitely seen that change. He's seventh right now in red area targets. And then look at this match. I'm doing giving up the fourth most receiving yards to opposing running backs. This is going to be a great matchup. The thing I want to mention, uh, just keep an eye out. There's been a couple of uh, breadcrumbs. Marlon Mack has been linked to the chargers which would be devastating news for Austin Eckler, in my opinion. Uh, but you're going to continue to roll him out there. I love Austin Eckler. I hope that that news doesn't happen or come true. Uh, but I just want to let Whisper Nation know. 
at least devastating to his ceiling. I think he'd probably right. still on PPR. He'd still be a pretty, yeah, pretty yes. solid play. Yeah. Um, we're moving on to the Seattle Seahawks facing the Jacksonville Jaguars in a 43 and a half point over under and the Seattle Seahawks favored by three at home here. When we look at the Jaguars side of the ball, Johnny, we look at, you know, James Robinson has kind of had a door that we're wondering, you know, we're kind of cautious as an industry. Is this trap door going to fall? Like, is he going to get game scripted out of games? We've seen Carlos Hyde mix in, but J-Rob's been amazing. This is a smash spot. This is not one of those games with a trap door. Like, this is a game we love J- James Robinson. Yeah, I don't. I actually, because of the injury to um, to the rookie this earlier this year, and then you've also had Carlos Hyde dealing with an injury. It's like forced, which is a great thing. It's it's a really great thing because, like you said, James Robinson is a very talented running back, and it was just the concern on the opportunities. But because of everything going on, and hopefully they finally got some rational coaching in there that you can only assume. But seventy-seven percent opportunity share—that's great. Nineteen plus touches in four straight games. Three or more red area touches in four straight games, and then just this juicy matchup with Seattle, just right here, just like laying on our lap here for uh, J. Rob. Seattle giving up fifth most rushing yards with seven hundred seventy-nine on the season, and the most receiving yards to opposing running backs with four hundred ninety-five. I love J. Rob this this week, and I actually think he is a trade target. You should try to go after and try to acquire. Because uh, uh, people do still have some. Bring it around town. Yeah, I mean, you, you, when I've always you liked the talent, I have just no, been concerned I, with the offensive become, coordinator. He's just definitely become more of a less hesitant start week right. after week. He just continues to shine. And credit to Austin, who's had the faith in him the whole yeah. way. But I want to know, Austin, We've, your faith in T-Law as a you know confident play this week against Seattle's secondary. Mm-hmm. First off, I love that we're calling him T-Law. Second off, if you don't love T-Law here, how much more would you need to see from T-Law before you'd start streaming him? But given that he's rostered in only 50% of leagues and how big a name Trevor Lawrence is, I think that 50% kind of speaks to his number 25 overall quarterback rank. Fair. However, in his last three games played, he skyrockets from QB 25 to the QB 15 right outside of startability. Okay, skyrocket is dramatic, absolutely, but I think that T-Law is on the up, and the Seahawks have the 26th ranked pass defense. As long as it's not raining or anything weird in Seattle, I think Trevor Lawrence is a fine stream this week, Travis, but I'm still not going to be recommending him over your regular starting quarterback. This would only be a fill-in type of situation for me. It's kind of funny. We've seen James Robinson kind of emerge over the last three weeks. We've seen T-Law emerge over the last three weeks. And what's happened in the last three weeks? Well, three weeks ago, Shark got injured. Now, I'm so, I'm not saying that Shark is the reason why all this happened. <laughs> oh, my God. But that's how I want to break the Adam Gase of Jacksonville. Wow, dude. Unreal, like dude. Cincinnati when Urban Meyer was awkwardly dancing on some young girl in his well, he was doing Ohio more bar. than dancing with her Cincinnati Ohio bar whatever it was uh since that injury three weeks ago I want to break down the wide receivers here because we're getting a lot of questions about Marvin Jones LaVisca and even Johnny's boy Jamal Agnew here yeah so since the injury the last three games 19 targets or 19 percent market share for Marvin Jones 20 targets or 20 percent market share for LaVisca Chanel and only 14 percent market share for Jamal Agnew We've got 11 catches for Marvin Jones or 50% catch rate. That's not that great. 13 catches for LaVisca. That's 65% catch rate, a little bit better. And then Jamal Agnew caught 12 of his 14 targets for 85% uh, catch rate. 
the real big nugget here is the points per game. Look at Marvin Jones got 10 PPR points per game over the last three. LaVisca 11 and our guy Jamal Agnew with nine. So really we're seeing kind of what's coming to fruition with this Jacksonville passing attack. They're getting a good amount of volume. They're in that PPR discussion because they're in garbage time. I know the hot take is to rely on the veteran Marvin Jones Jr., but I think I'm playing with the, with, uh, the fire here that Urban Meyer and T-Law sees that they have the most upside with LaVisca Chenault in the offense. He has the market share over the last three without Shark and provides the most big play upside. I mean, his yards per reception, guys, is 27. That is dwarfing the 18 yards per reception and 15 for Marvin Jones and Jamal Agnew. So I really think he's the bigger play upside with these chunk gains. We need Lawrence in the offense to get a tad more efficient, as we talked about. But as Austin said, skyrocketed up the boards there. He's doing a lot better. So I think I have a little bit more trust plus post buy. Hopefully we get some of that. This is a spot roll. Uh, this is a spot to roll Visca out, even if Jones or even Jones in your flex. Sorry. Although they may have been a run funnel defense, Seattle, they've given up the fifth most receiving yards on the season. And, you know, Austin mentioned it for the sneaky weather forecast. Seattle has no rain in the forecast on Sunday, Monday and Tuesday and, and Saturday all have rain, but not Sunday. We love it. So I Perfect. think. This the could Lord's be wheels day. up for Jackson. Yeah, for Jacksonville. The Lord parted the skies hey, yeah, and said, he no, has, no he, has LaVisca. he has LaVisca on his fantasy and, team. Yeah. Absolutely. I believe so. So I'm actually rolling Visca out in the flex. That's about as, as high as I'd get. I wouldn't put him in as a wide receiver two or anything like that, or even in like three. But I do think he's a flex. On the other side, we've got Seattle, and there's not a ton here. But I want to see if we really believe, because we've seen up and down from Geno here, but do we believe that he's really tanking the upside for these pass catchers, Austin? I think he is, man. He just cuts the production like in half and you got to modify the game plan and he's just not able to produce what Russell Wilson has been consistently producing for the Seattle Seahawks, even just this season. Russell's averaging two touchdowns per game. Gino cuts that in half, averaging just one touchdown per game. 169 yards per game nice. throwing for Geno Smith. Nice. But the defense has not been rollovers. Um, to cut it short, Gino should predict better days ahead with softer opponents and more reps under center. But he's going to hurt the team and the fantasy assets. I just feel comfortable saying that he's not Russell Wilson. About 100 yards less passing yards per game with Gino versus Russ. That's going to impact Lockett. It's going to impact DK, DK Metcalf. Uh, so far, with Lockett being the greatest victim of the quarterback switch, I'm keeping DK in my lineup. We just know what he's capable of. We also saw, Travis, you mentioned it on the Thursday Live of what it took, though, for DK to have that kind of day. Yeah. Even still, I think DK's best prime to have that. I'm benching Lockett, though, until we get Russell Wilson back. It's it's weird. We still see some DK ceiling here, but God is his floor just terrifying How uh, with Geno Smith. Like you could easily see him erased last week uh, if he doesn't get that big play. But then you saw the upside when he was the best player on the field when he ra rattled off for that 84 yard touchdown and made Marshawn Lattimore his son on that play. So, yeah, I think that's uh, that's something to keep in mind. I know wedgie. Yeah, hey, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, give me DK's floor over Callaway's floor any day, dude. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's not hard to do. <laughs> but we'll actually talk about the Saints in this episode, too. Uh, teaser alert there. Johnny, one last thing is to talk about these running backs. And if we want to spin the wheel here for any trust in the running backs here with Collins, even though he's getting the volume, uh, how do we like him this week? He's a fine flex play for me. Look, 17 straight carries in three straight games. Uh, he did only play on 30%, 39% of snaps last week, but he still did see the workload. Um, I do have some concern with that usage and, and how injured he is. But again, this matchup is juicy enough and, and good enough, frankly, 
to carry him on that uh, usage alone. Jags allowing the eighth most fantasy points to running backs this season, which is why I like Gaskin before the bye uh, or in the England game, but it didn't come to fruition. But Collins has been getting in the uh, end zone. So I definitely think that there's a possibility he gets that he reaches uh, pay dirt this weekend. And I just want to ma- mention too, on like why I'm not more excited for Penny. Penny only saw 35% of snaps and saw six carries. If you're asking me about Homer and Dallas, Dallas is like the receiving back there. Um, but the problem is when you look at the Jets, they're not giving a whole lot up uh, with the or the Jags. Excuse me. They're not giving up a whole lot to the receiving back. They're giving it on the ground to the tune of 552 yards, boys, and eight tutties. I think we could predict a a Collins tutty, maybe. I don't know. Can Gino get him down there? We'll see. I think not the as more interesting. Now. The more interesting play here for Whisper Nation is the fact that in four years in doing this podcast, we can finally get Johnny on film saying Rashad Penny is useless now. Yeah, he's no longer. He's a sad day. day. Toss that penny into the well. Thank you. All right. We're going to move on here to the Denver Broncos hosting the Washington football team. It's a 43 and a half point over under with Denver mass favored here. I can't believe it at home by three points. It's kind of wild. But that's the state of these two teams and what we're looking at here. When we look at the Washington football side of the team, we talked a little bit about this on the live, Austin, about Gibson and what we expect out of him and what we want out of him. But what are we to do with this Washington football backfield? Yeah, so generally speaking, J.D. McKissick and Antonio Gibson are going to be startable options moving forward. Here's the thing. Gibson's going to be in when the score is close, and it's not third down. He's going to get first crack at the goal line. But I'm going to be playing J.D. McKissick when Washington expects to play from behind. Honestly, the best situation for both these backs overall that you could find yourself in if you're rostering both of them would be to be uh, in a game where Washington predicts to get blown out. J.D. would have the highest ceiling, and I think J.D.'s ceiling is higher than Gibson's right now um, outside of Gibson pulling in multiple touchdowns like we saw him do two weeks ago, 20 touches but just 60 yards, but he did fall forward into the end zone for two touchdowns, and they still want him to be that goal line back outside of the two-minute drill. But that's not where we're at right now. We're going up against Denver. I think this actually... It's going to be a slower moving game. I know that Denver is favored, but I think that it's a real toss up in this kind of situation. I think Gibson is is going to be leaned on. I'm starting him in leagues where I have both of these halfbacks. I love that call. I just want to add something. Despite all the struggles that Gibson has had, he still averages over one carry inside the 10 yard line per game. So the touchdown touchdown upside is clearly there. And we saw Dearness Johnson, former AF, AAF player, Run rough shot, rough shot. Hey, don't over you this. be dissing AF, okay? Hey, I'm just saying it didn't, it didn't last. Just said where he came from. Yeah, and uh, I just think that because Dearness Johnson's game against Denver, where he just just annihilated them, I think Gibson's a decent start here this weekend. And you probably have the most upside in Gibson than you've had over the last three weeks, right, Austin? Mm. I think so. I mean, his shin isn't getting worse; like it's not healing. Oh. It's like it's a pain tolerance type of thing. It is what it is. It's not getting healthier. Well, it's not getting better, but I don't think it's getting necessarily worse based on what we've seen. We'll see. It probably will get worse, but I'm just saying. According to sports docs, uh, they've uh, they've said it. This is the best it's going to be, and it's only going to get worse. According to sports, enjoy holding on to Jared Patterson. All yours. (laughs) I yeah, you should. You should grab him on your waiver. I'm telling you, because it's only a matter of time. Gibson's a ticking time bomb. Ticking time bomb. What about the bombs that are? 
supposed to be throwing to Scary Terry in this offense. Johnny, do we like Scary Terry? What about RSJ's outlook as the two pass catchers in that offense? Not only do we like Scary Terry, we love Scary Terry. And it's not it, – it's, it's, it's ridiculous how much or how little he gets talked about we want to talk about all these other wide receivers and how they're either, you know, overperforming, underperforming, and yet no one wants to sit here and say, look at Scary Terry and just what he is doing and the numbers he's putting up with nobody as his quarterback. He's second right now in air yards with 868 air yards, eighth in completed air yards, eighth in receiving yards, third in deep targets with 15 and he's doing all that, and he only has five red zone targets, which ranks 31st. Right now, I think you can go out and still acquire Scary Terry for relatively cheap because a lot of people aren't talking about him. He's not having like these mega, mega ball stays, but there could be there could be a, sun, a new sun arising on the horizon. Uh, for Washington football team soon. So I do love Scary Terry, not only this week, moving forward, you're always going to have him in your lineup. He's matchup proof. I do just want to note out, like we've been trying to say that Ryan Fitzpatrick could be coming around the corner. He's actually two weeks away from just an MRI. Oh, I'm not. I'm not so, talking about Fitz. I'm talking about the Tua Tagovailoa oh, yeah. that's going to be coming. A little bit more hearsay than than we're prepared oh, to deal happening. with right now. But uh Okay. I'd love to see Tua just find a home where they wanted him to yeah, be. Somebody could just have him please and want oh, him. Scary Terry yeah. would give him a home. I hope Ron Rivera does too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what about RSJ though, Johnny? Are we are we firing RSJ up? Because he's had some down weeks, but he has been getting utilized as a good streaming tight end. Yeah, not a great match. If you can go elsewhere, I would this week. Then RSJ, Denver giving up just the fourth fewest fantasy points to opposing tight ends. He has seen between six and nine targets from the three straight games, but he has an eclipse over 58 receiving yards in a game and then pair that with the bad matchup. But it is the tight end position, so it is kind of hard to find. So you could do a lot worse than RSJ this week. You got to just hope he gets a touchdown. Uh, but it's not looking like it's in the card. So if you can pivot somewhere else, I would. Awesome. When you look at the Denver Broncos side of the field, where we've been waiting and waiting and waiting, but it just hasn't happened. Javante Williams takeover. We like Melvin Gordon, though, and maybe even Javante in this game script. It's a good spot for them. I think if you got him, if you've had him this long, I just I would just keep doing with them what you have been doing with them. If you have a better running back to start ahead of one of these guys, do that. Uh, if this is the best running back you've had available and you've been starting them rolling out, I'm not pausing on this matchup here. I like that situation. We got the narrative continuing between Melvin Gordon, 1A, Javante Williams, 1B. Melvin Gordon's the running back 19 on the year. Williams, number 24. Um, we, these expectations, we do expect to see them switch up eventually. Last week, equal touches for both. Williams with six catches and four carries. Gordon with the same overall, but inverse six and four. I feel good about flexing either one of these backs here. Williams is starting to get my preference, though. He's looking explosive. He's looking nice. We're getting to the halfway point in the season. I think we start to see that shift. It's still early, too early to say we're there, but I like Williams. If I had them both, I think I'd start Williams this week over Gordon. I think I get a little cute. I believe Williams, don't quote me on this, but I believe Williams is number three in elusivity rating per PFF right now, and he's breaking tackles again at the rate he kind of did at North Carolina. So those things are translating. The reasons we liked him, they're translating. We're just not seeing a reason for Denver to go 
all the way to Williams yet, but he's still a great one of the greatest holds in fantasy right now for the upside. Mm -hmm. Johnny. Jerry Judy comes back to this passing attack. We need to know what that means. If we're starting Judy, if we're confident in him, does it hurt Sutton, Patrick, or Fant? Where are we at with this, and and what can we expect in this really, really juicy matchup against Washington? You know what it means? All rise. (laughs) Judge Jerry Judy on his way in. Let's go. Yeah, Austin, you won't. Uh, Jerry Judy, get it? Yeah, smash spot, <laughs> smash spot right now. If you're watching uh, on Patreon. Austin yeah. was had his belly up to the microphone. It reminded me of those old Capri Sun commercials. He just needed to let the belly button talk for uh, oh, okay. that one. Uh, I'll let it say my retort to Johnny. Yeah, there we go. Next time, uh, Jerry Judy, you're getting him in your lineup. Uh, great matchup with Washington. Uh, they're giving up some of the most fantasy points to wide receivers. They can't stop anybody. Cortland Sutton. It should, you know, Jerry Judy coming back will diminish a little bit of Cortland Sutton's upside. I still think he's okay in this match, or he's still good, and and you should throw him in your lineup in this matchup. Tim Patrick, though, I am, I'm. You can drop him, or I wouldn't necessarily drop him just in case something does happen. And again, we'll have to see what happens to Jerry Judy. How does he look? But I, I still feel confident throwing Jerry Judy and Sutton in your lineup when it comes to Fant. I'm I'm not going to be starting him three games all season where he's eclipsed over 40 receiving yards. Like we just talked about how RSJ has done that three straight weeks. And now you're talking about, you know, getting another person in there, Jerry Judy, who's going to take away targets. I'm just not confident in Fant moving forward uh, with Jerry Judy coming back. I just would like to note that I think that Cortland Sutton's fine here. I think he probably maybe goes down to like a wide receiver 15 range. Mm-hmm. Like that's where he's probably going to end up. Yep. But right now, 15 to 20, let's say. And then Jerry Judy comes in at a floor of like maybe 20 to 30 in the wide receiver range. It'll be interesting to monitor this and see if Judy's uh, addition actually hurts Sutton or actually puts this offense in a place where it can move forward, be more efficient, and both guys can live in a round because they're both very, very talented wide receivers. And I'd like to see what this does for Teddy Bridgewater going forward. He is in a decent streamable spot here, but we've talked about guys we like above him, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, guys I'd be starting over Jerry or uh, over Teddy Bridgewater going into this game. Denver is not an underdog at home, but we want to let you know about the biggest underdog on the market. Whisper Nation, you need to know about Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest place to play fantasy football for big cash prizes. They have player prop bets like over, under on touchdowns, receiving yardage, rushing totals, and so much more. And by all this information you get from us over here at TFW, we're going to help you build bet slips each and every week. But Underdog Fantasy is also going to help you out because if you download the app or go to underdogfantasy.com, you'll get 100% off a deposit match for up to $100 when you use the promo code TFW. That's underdogfantasy.com or download the app and use the promo code TFW for $100 in matched money for your first deposit. That's TFW for $100. All right, guys, the next game on the slate is a divisional battle in which the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will travel to New Orleans, the Big Easy, to face the Saints in a 50-point over-under. Tampa Bay only favored by five in this game. If you'd have watched New Orleans on Monday night, I can't believe this line exists, but I guess it's New Orleans defense that they really, really like and at home. Um, when we look at the Tampa Bay side of the football here, it's a really, really tough matchup for Lombardi Lenny Austin, but he is an RB one, a pleasantly surprising RB one on the season. How are we feeling confidence wise in this matchup? 
you know, long story short, I'm feeling fine about it, but let me provide a little extra context. Leonard Fournette is averaging over 17 carries in the last month of football. Also five targets per game during the same stretch, which is more than double Giovanni Bernard's opportunity. Fournette is the clear RB1 in Tampa Bay and given how diverse and competent this Tampa Bay offense is led by Tom Brady. I honestly have no hesitation starting Leonard Fournette going up against the best rush defense in the NFL. Keeps defenses on their heels, keeps them honest. Leonard Fournette is good. They are going to be able to run a game plan, and Leonard Fournette is involved in that game plan. I got no hesitation. I got no. I'm, I'm, I'm not expecting him to keep popping off at RB1 numbers here, but he's going to give you more than viable output by the end of the day, and I'm, I'm feeling very fine with Leonard Fournette in my lineup. Yeah, I would agree with that take for the, uh, you know, I think he's just an easy bet to score a touchdown every week. Like that's probably going to happen just because they're always in the red zone. Um, but speaking of always being in the red zone, they have a bunch of playmakers at the, at the outside positions, the wide receiver positions, one of which is going to be out. Antonio Brown on a crutch at practice this week. Uh, Bruce Arian saying it's probably a long-term deal. Don't know if it'll be after the buy or even after that. Johnny, how does this affect, though, the wide receivers in this game? Are they auto starts still uh, with A.B. out uh, up against a New Orleans tougher could defense? Could be was the key word there. Could be a long-term thing. We don't know yet. Um, but I don't – yeah, A.B. not playing this week. Don't get him in your lineup. Sit him out. Um, Mike Evans, you're, you're going to be starting him. Obviously, he had a really big day last week. We see that. Often when AB is not in the in the game, he does. Uh, Tom Brady loves to go to Mike Evans, especially in the red area. Chris Godwin, you're definitely starting him again. AB out, you definitely see a bump in targets. Last week, Chris Godwin, 28% market share with AB out. That bumped up nearly 10%. So uh, I am getting him back in your lineup for sure. Yeah, I think the wide receivers farewell here. I want to talk a little bit about Gronk because I get it. I get it's very enticing. He's returning to practice. He could play. If he returns, he'll be without A.B. in the lineup, who seems to be the kind of crush of Tom Brady when he's in there. Also, Gronk has been a crush before. Prior to the injury that he had, he had back-to-back games with over 81% of the snap share did Gronk. Saw five or more targets in all three games that he played. And even after missing the last four weeks, He's the tight end 13 and standard behind four touchdowns in those first two games. He's averaging two red zones per game or two red zone targets per game that he starts. But we are going to get way better matchups for Gronk after this return from injury. The only uh, the Saints are a, a very, very good defense against the tight end. They only allow four points per game to tight ends on average. But we can't bench Gronk right with his chemistry with Brady, especially in the red zone. Right. My theory is this. If you have if you picked up a contingency plan for Gronk, Roll out that contingency plan this week, even if Gronk returns. In the last three games against New Orleans, as a Buccaneer, Gronk has been targeted on 11 targets. He's caught four of them in those three games for 37 scoreless yards. I am not a fan of Gronk in this matchup. It seems like New Orleans is not a fan of letting Gronk do anything against them over the last year and and some change, so I would definitely be out on Gronk this week coming back from injury. On the New Orleans side of the ball, Austin, the biggest question here is outside of Alvin Kamara, Can anybody be trusted in the offense here? Dude, short answer is no, but let's break it down just a little bit because I'll tell you what, I do like talking shit about the New England Patriots wide receivers. I don't like to do it about the New Orleans wide receivers, but it's just so easy and almost impossible not to. (laughs) Alvin Kamara here has got 24% of the target market share. Callaway is a close number two, near 22%. Um, Deontay Harris is third in the overall pass catching options, but second 
for the wide receivers there. Deontay Harris is third there with 10%. It's about a 12% drop from 22 to 12% there between the number one wide receiver, if we want to call Callaway that, and Deontay Harris as the number two. These are the only two wide receivers in New Orleans in the top 100 of fantasy wide receivers. Marquez Callaway is number one there at number 53 in PPR. Not good New Orleans in the passing attack, but it was a tough spot in the rain for Winston, even though we thought it would be a good defense to target against Seattle. I know I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be dangerous here. They faced another terrible secondary, did the the Saints, right? When they played Washington football team a couple weeks ago. And James had his second highest attempts with 30. He had his highest yardage mark with 279. He had four touchdowns. I think he's a borderline stream this week because even after dismantling Justin Fields and Jacoby Brissett over the last month, Tampa Bay still has allowed the fifth most passing touchdowns, and they really push teams to throw against them. Only the Rams have seen more passing attempts against them than Tampa Bay. So I really like the volume that's projected for New Orleans here, and I think that alone could float Jameis if you're sitting there looking at somebody to replace uh, Lamar Jackson in your lineup and you didn't get in on a Wentz or, or, or a Kirk Cousins as, as somebody you could put in there. I want to speak briefly on the trade because after we recorded the show yesterday, Mark Ingram was traded over to the New Orleans Saints. And I know a lot of panic has come over Thanks fantasy football Twitter uh, over Alvin Kamara. I scooped up Mark Ingram in our league of record just as something to kind of w- wait and see. So I don't I want to throw that out there because I don't know how much bias is this. I had Mark Ingram back in the day when he was on this Saints offense. So there's some love there. And AK obviously loves him. He's going to be reunited with his old buddy, Mark Ingram. But I think there's nothing to be concerned here yet with yet because we need to carefully watch the breakdown in this first game. Sean Payton said that Mark Ingram will absolutely have a role in the offense as early as Sunday, and but I think this could ultimately benefit AK. In all of his big years, we've seen he's had somebody else to be the grinder for him, and then he's come in and been exceptionally efficient with lower volume, better, more efficient plays that Peyton's able to scheme him for. And I think if Ingram can come in and take the load off of being that grinder for AK, we could see a lot more. I mean, we saw some of the dynamo action for AK against Seattle, right? All of those passes he caught and then got out in space and and really attacked them. That's what I think Sean Payton was doing when he picked up uh, Mark Ingram. So we'll just have to wait and see what that looks like. But I think AK is completely fine. Keep him in as a locked in top five back the rest of the way. All right, we're moving on to the Sunday night football game, which is featuring the Dallas Cowboys traveling to the Minnesota Vikings. But before we get into the action, just want to remind you to subscribe to the YouTube channel if you're new to the Whisper Nation and give this video and others alike on your way in. This is a 54 and a half point over under with Minnesota favored, or I'm sorry, with Dallas favored by only two on the road here. When we look at the Dallas side of the ball, we kind of know what they are, but they haven't been what we thought they were going to be, this high-flying passing attack. And I want to I want to know after the bye and all this stuff, Austin, specifically with the pass catchers, are we still concerned with a lower-volume passing attack? You know what? Yeah, you are. I am. If I'm rostering Amari Cooper, I think that he's had some efficient days. In week one, he went off, so you're feeling good, and I think riding high still on that week one performance a little bit, and then his resurrection from a hamstring injury that didn't even really keep him out, and you're like, he's so strong and good. But I'm, I'm kind of concerned, man. Cooper hasn't broken 70 yards since week one. That was also the last time he had a greater snap percentage than C.D. Lamb. We'll get to here in just a second. Cooper should be more healthy, though. And he's a great wide receiver, like he's a legit talent and has already showed us in that week one performance. It wasn't that long ago, like it was week one, but it was less than two months ago. Um, What he's capable of, 13 catches, 139 yards and a couple of touchdowns. I've been some time since then, but he's coming off the bye. 
and he's going up against a Minnesota secondary that has been middle of the road in terms of defending wide receivers. I've got some excited excitement for Cooper. Honestly, I'm putting him in my flex play, and I think that's kind of where I'm, I'm if I can keep him in my flex, I'm liking that. Uh, I'm not concerned, but I'm feeling great about CeeDee Lamb as a wide receiver. One uh, leads in snaps, targets, catches, and yards, and the last action he had went off for 149 yards and a couple of tutties. No concern for CD Lamb, but Amari Cooper, I said, like is in my flex with upside. Um, I take everybody else here on a case-by-case basis. Travi, uh, with Gallup coming back, with Schultz, uh, I would take it on a case-by-case matchup. Look at what the Dallas Cowboys' health is. Take a look at who their matchup is. Take a look at who would be situated for a better game. I think those are the kinds of observations we should make for anybody who's not named C.D. Lamb. You can put Cooper in your flex rest of season, but but... There's such an interesting case because they average 34 points per game. I believe that's the most of any team right now. In, but they're not doing it the way they that we thought they were going to do it. They're doing it however the defense gives them. So they can do whatever they want against any defense. We know that. But I like what you said here. It's going to be matchup-based. We're going to have to pick our spots with Dallas. And particularly this one is a little bit weird right now for Dalton Schultz. And I want to talk about that because Gallup's returning to the practice this week. They opened up his IR window. He's returning to practice. He... We look at Dalton Schultz, right? He's averaged five catches on six targets per game with nearly 60 yards. He has a touchdown in half of his games. This was in six games without Michael Gallup, though, who over the last year in this same offense has averaged seven targets per game. We've talked about how Mike McCarthy loves Gallup and has said he could be a number one anywhere else. Dalton Schultz wasn't running routes on an elite amount of snaps as it was, and he was living off high efficiency. But with Gallup back, I have major concerns that can sustain. Now, this week, I don't know if Gallup's rushed back. Maybe they give it one more week. But Minnesota has also been stingy against defenses, allowing only the eighth most fantasy points per game to the position, or the eighth least, I'm sorry. If Gallup sits, I have much more confidence in Schultz. I still think I roll him out there even if Gallup goes because you probably picked him up. You don't really have other options. Plus, it's the Sunday night game. But just be warned, warned of this, and maybe you could sell him high. I don't know what the market would be with Schultz, but maybe you could get out of him if you could. Johnny, uh, we know what we get out of this running game. It's it's Zeke and and Pollard, and they both have been you know really good. Zeke really been really really good. This yeah. seems to be a run funnel defense here for Minnesota, where the pass the secondary's been really good, but the pass or the running game has been attacked against them. Yeah, that's where I'm a little concerned for Pollard this week. I th- I'm you're definitely obviously getting Zeke in your lineup. I do think Zeke has a big day. Minnesota surround uh, surrendering 850 all purpose yards right now two running backs and five touchdowns uh, on the ground. So I do think that they are going to be, Zeke is going to be, you know, the the main running back fed there. I'm concerned about Tony Pollard, not only with, uh, you know, how that defense kind of surrenders yards, but pair that with the fact that you've got Michael Gallup coming back and what that could do to the market share uh, for Tony Pollard. That's where I'm concerned. I'm not, quite certain he should be a flex play could be in like a PPR situation. But again, I'm only uh, this week. I'm only confident in really starting Zeke. Yeah, I think that's a a good call here. We move to the Minnesota side of the football. We know we kind of know what they are. They run with Dalvin cook and they throw to their two stud wide receivers. I want to know Johnny outside of those two studs, if we can trust anybody like KJ Osborne or Conklin in a game that's a high over under, and this there should be some sort of third option for this team beyond Adam Thielen and Jefferson if they want to keep it competitive, can we trust any? Can we project any of these guys to be the guy, Conklin or Osborne? 
So it, it is, I'm going to do my best here, uh, but I do believe this week it will be Conklin over uh, Osborne. Uh, you look at Osborne three straight weeks and it's, and it's been declining each week uh, where he's, where he's seeing snap shares. He's only seen over 60% snap share twice this season. So you don't like that aspect of it. And then if you just kind of look at what, uh, you know, the defense kind of gives it as far as Dallas, they give up more and a lot of fantasy points to the tight end position, ninth most fantasy points uh, compared to what the wide receivers are giving up uh, for or the cornerbacks are giving up for Dallas. And then you also pair that with the fact that when you look at Coughlin's production, his two best games of the season have been a result of juicy matchups for the tight end. Like the, So it dictated that, hey, the tight end could be used because that's the weakness of the defense. And that's when you've seen these games. So I do think Con Conklin, if you have to go that route, is the guy that you'd rather have. And then quickly, we obviously love Dalvin Cook in this spot, Johnny. He's fresh off the bye. He got a game in after or before the bye, and the ankle seems to be healed up here. Yeah, you're definitely playing him, but just temper your expectations because it is a, a difficult matchup for running backs. But again, it's, it's Dalvin Cook. You're not sending him. I want to speak uh, again about a streamable option here in Kirk Cousins. Three solid games of 22 or more fantasy points in his first three. We liked him a lot. We thought the opening of the year would be a good spot for him. <clears throat> He's cooled off since then. Two game stretch of 11, uh, two game stretch of 11 points and then 14 points in fantasy. But then right before the bye, 27 points in that overtime win over the Panthers. He's going to be an up and down fantasy football asset as he has been basically since being in Minnesota. But we can pick our spots, I think, especially with those two stud wide receivers. Despite Dallas's improved defense, they've allowed the eighth most points per game to opposing quarterbacks this year. That's really good when we're trying to figure out who we're going to start at quarterback. Plus, we love the high over-under here. It's the highest over-under on the week. It's in a dome. Dallas is only favored by two. It should be competitive. I think Cousins has a great shot to finish as a top eight QB this week. I like him much more than streamers like Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz, and Jameis Winston this week. That'll put a bow on our Sunday night football matchup as we move on to the Monday night football showdown between the New York Giants and the Kansas City Chiefs. Before we get into this action, just want to remind you to get subscribed over on the YouTube channel if you're not already and give this and other videos a like on your way in. The Kansas City Chiefs are 52, are in a 52-point overrunner against the Giants here. They are 10-point favorites at home, but we're going to start with the Giants' side of the ball, and we're going to start with their leader, their own Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> Danny Dimes, who is actually in a great spot here, but can we trust him, John Austin? More more draft pedigree for Daniel Jones than Patrick yeah. Mahomes. That's true. Right? That is, that yeah. is true. Yeah. Right. yeah, exactly. exactly. Uh, let's, take, let's take that uh, to the bank. That's <laughs> Kansas City is letting up the second most points to fantasy quarterbacks, and Jones is coming off a decent-ish game in his own relative capacity. <laughs> he, I think caught, he, all... he caught that trick play pass. He looked good. Yeah. Right? Dude, Daniel yeah. Jones pulls out some weird stuff, whether it's like these tricks. Very weirdly athletic. Or the run, you know, the, the infamous run where he where he, he felt he flew so high he went parallel and you could like literally screenshot his shadow underneath. There was so much distance between him and the ground, and that shadow was so big. Uh, I think we all want Daniel Jones to be something. He's like this weird NFL kind of fan favorite there, as you put it, Travis, with his like weird athletic ability and he, like he's always going for it in these like fun fashions. I we want him to be something. It's a cool storyline. I know the Giants certainly do. Um, and he's gonna have some games already to this season of over 30 points. 
but he's got a lot of banged up weapons, Travis, and has only thrown for multiple touchdowns one time this season. He also has three games this season with zero touchdown passes this year. His yeah. floor is subterranean. It's a great matchup, but Jones is far from a must start for me. Yeah, and it has to do with a lot of his weapons being out. And a lot of them are in the passing game right now. So we look at what we know will probably be in the lineup. Darius Slayton, Dante Pettis, and Evan Ingram. Yes, Johnny's boy, Dante Pettis, still relevant, unlike his other boy, Rashad Penny now. Yeah, uh, we've sailed off. But let's talk about Pettis here. 11 targets two weeks ago. Then he got five last week, but he caught all five of them for 39 and a touchdown. He seems to be like the compiler in this new look hodgepodge offense they have. So he's like a... 60% Sterling Shepard, I'd say. So he's not going to get as much of the targets and not as be as effective, but that's kind of the role he plays. Now, Slayton, more of their big, bigger play threat. I don't want to say he's a big play threat. Only 12.6 yards per reception, but did get nine targets. Five, caught five of them for 63 yards in, release last, in relief last week. Uh, he has previously established chemistry with Danny Dimes. We know that. Like, he's been a deep threat before in this offense for Danny Dimes. So there's some hope there. I think when we look at the wide receivers, especially Shepard's return to practice, but I don't know if I trust him. He returned to practice last week, too, and didn't play. Uh, so I'm just not trusting this, especially being Monday night. I do like I do like Slayton, though. The Chiefs are allowing 23.7 points per game to wide receivers, but they've been gashed via tight end more than anything. Still, in negative game, game script with the high over-under, I'm liking Slayton as a fine spot start flex play this week uh, where New York is going to have to throw. But who I like even more than Slayton, is Evan Ingram as a streamer this week. Six or more targets in three of five games played this year. He's posted 44 or more yards in two of his last three weeks, and he's caught a season-high six balls last week in the lineup with all the injuries. Kansas City is a fantasy football tight end's dream right now. They allow the third most points per game and the most yards per contest to the tight end position. So I really do think this is a big spot for the athletic tight end here and one of the few ways they'll be able to move the ball uh, on Monday night. But the other way that we like is with Devontae Booker, who's played instead of Saquon Barkley, Johnny. And so do we like him locked in here because we know how bad the run defense projects on paper for Kansas City? He's seeing 16-plus touches in back-to-back -back games filling in for Saquon, and then he even saw more than 16 touches or around 16 touches when Saquon went out. 88%, 72%, and 82% snap share since the injury you like the usage, you like the snap share. So for me, Booker does become a flex play, especially in this, you know, nice favorable matchup with Kansas City on Monday night. Kansas City allowing the 11th most fantasy points uh, or giving up the 11th most fantasy points to opposing running backs so far this season. And I think that that's going to continue on Monday night. So, yes, I think you can do a whole lot worse than uh, throwing Booker in your lineup. I want to go to the other side of the game, which actually includes another running back who is in for the injured starter, and that is Daryl Williams. But he had a letdown last week, Austin. I want to know if he's firmly in our lineups again this week. He is for me. Uh, DW is the starting running back with CEH out. We just need to adjust our expectations a little bit for who the Kansas City Chiefs are right now. Now, they are a better offense than I think they're getting credit for. It's kind of in vogue right now to start slamming the Kansas City Chiefs. And we had Patrick Mahomes get injured. And he is, as we've talked about, while he's still a top three quarterbacking option, I think that's true after last week still. I mean, maybe it won't, actually isn't. Before the week, I think he was tied for the number one after then exiting the game uh, following that big hit. But he is still a great quarterback in that sense. And this offense, like I said, is 
a little bit better than I, I think we're actually giving it credit for top eight in points, top two in yards, but they did have a bad, but they do have a bad defense and they are losing games. And this is what doesn't help Daryl Williams's game flow. Um, he's going to need that game flow. And here going up against a banged up and regardless of health, New York Giants football team, I think Daryl Williams is actually in a really good spot. The game flow should work in his favor. He's going to get that opportunity. That's all you really, really need for him. Uh, we saw it before, you know, 20 carries, uh, 60-something yards, multiple touchdowns. He's fully capable of something like that. I expect to see that actually for Daryl Williams this game. I, I would uh, tend to agree with you, and I think it's you look at the Giants, they're not even top half in any defensive category per pro football yeah. focus. So, Johnny, when we look at the big three for the Chiefs, Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, they need to get right. Do they do it here on Monday night? I think Tyreek does. I think Kelsey is going to have a solid day. I don't know that he has a particular mega boss day like we'd like, but I do think Tyreek has a, one of those mega boss days uh, this week on Monday night football to close you out. To close us out. So make sure if you want to watch that game with us, because we'll be doing the live reaction, you subscribe to the YouTube channel and get it over there. That puts a bow on this game and our part two of the matchup breakdowns in our weekly matchup show. You can get part one by subscribing anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you have any further lineup question, questions, like we said, make sure you're subscribed to YouTube and turn, tune in Sunday morning, an hour and a half before kickoff and check out the fantasy for weekly rankings as well for Johnny game time Hicks and Austin Sear. I'm big Travi. We're the fantasy whispers and we're out. Peace. Peace. Good. Bye-bye. Congratulations on making it to the end of the video. If you still have a lot to say about fantasy football, maybe you want to give Johnny a little bit of crap for his take today, then go on over to our Discord channel and join the conversation there. Click the link in the description below. And if you still want more content, check out one of these videos.